Backchat Studios is a part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head to backchatpodcast.com.au to sign up as a patron and access all of our merch. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. episode of the season there's no rules we do what we want we end the season whenever we want it's a no man's land time of basketball at the moment the nbl's finished well and truly uh the nba the summer leagues just finished the cleveland cavaliers the champions uh, they can hang their hat on that but we're in no man's land like i said so we're having one last episode and i promised a big fish and i feel like i went out in the deep atlantic ocean i don't know what ocean is over in the states and we've we've snagged one We've snagged a big one. Bobby, Bobby Corrala, welcome. Welcome to the Backchat Basketball Show. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. It would be probably uh, the Gulf of Mexico, I guess, is probably the biggest <laughs> body of water nearby me. Yeah, so right. That's where you okay. found me. To be honest, like, geography is my, like, if they said, like, you can, you know, if it was on a trivia show and they said, give us your worst topic, we'll stay away from that, I would say geography. Like, I have no clue. All I know is that people think Texas is big. And that often Australia, the sorry, the Western Australia, the state is often compared to the state of Texas, and it's way bigger. Like our state's way bigger. Um, apart from that, geology. Uh, sorry, geography. <laughs> Don't even get me started on geology, bro. <laughs> I mean, That's ge- a whole they're all the same thing. anyway, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're all hey, the same. Um, dude, here in America, we know yeah. American geography, but outside yep. of this country, couldn't tell you a single thing about the rest of the world. Man, I don't even know: is Australia a continent? Is it a country? Is it a city? Who it's can both. even say? It's all of it. You know, it's yeah. an island. It's the world's biggest island. It's the smallest continent. It's it's everything. It's it's that wow. good of a place. Often people think in in your part of town that maybe Australia doesn't even exist. Like it's just some conspiracy <laughs> place on the map where you know people live but don't actually live and we're somehow alive. But anyway, it's we're we're not a we're not a Joe Rogan. We're not a conspiracy podcast. We could just, yeah, we, we, just we, we got boots. plenty of those in the US too. So <laughs> That's right. <yeah. laughs> um why don't you tell us actually, you know what, before we before we get into anything about you, we have one question that we ask every single guest on the back chat, across the back chat network. Anytime we have a guest, we have one question that we start with. Now we the the guy that I usually host podcasts with will he's a, a a championship player in Australian rules football, so um, we like to bring on athletes talk about their great sporting achievements, but we don't let them talk about their sort of sphere of you know the things that they're good at. So for you, like no offense, you're not an athlete, so you can do whatever you want. So I want to know, Bobby, your your greatest sporting achievement that you've ever done in your life. It could be anything from whatever age group the greatest thing you've ever done in some sort of sporting um sphere man i uh okay so i played in an indoor soccer league um yep six v six all men and we won the not the top tier championship we won the second division championship three to one 
in the finals. I played maybe 10 minutes in that game and it was easily the highlight of my athletic career that's good man so do you guys call that futsal uh no 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 no. so it's it's like uh i mean it, it's because indoor soccer more... like the, the the real indoor soccer players they like no it's called futsal we don't call it indoor soccer yeah see i remember a few years ago it was actually donnie nelson was like spearheading trying to start this futsal league in dallas Right. I mean, like throughout the U.S., but headquartered in Dallas, and I don't really think it caught on. <laughs> Over here, we just call it indoor because it's still general soccer rules. Like we have indoor soccer leagues, we just call it indoor soccer. Um, although they're right. playing more like seven on seven or eight on eight. It's it's a bigger field. Um, but yeah. this, what we were playing, I mean, I don't know if you can call it football, soccer, futsal. It was more just like just garbage. But we yeah. did win. You know, we, Some we were the running around kicking group. a ball. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. sometimes into the goal if we were lucky <laughs> well that's good all right so futsal i was like a, so actually actually this is pretty relevant because the major league cricket league uh major league cricket like uh, tournament has been um getting a bit of coverage do you know anything about cricket i do i i know really? a little bit yeah I, I wouldn't say i know a fair amount but i do know a little bit about cricket because uh i have some friends in england and i went over to visit them a couple times so while i was over there we were just watching a bunch of test matches um there's a 2020 league that actually started in the U.S. Yes. I, th that's, I think that's what you're talking about. They play yeah. all their games like probably 20 minutes away from downtown Dallas. So it's, it's that's pretty right. cool. Yeah, yeah I was watching today. I know 2020, they're mashing. I mean, they're, right. they're swinging for the fences every time. That's right. So I was watching it today. It was like um, the – I think – are they hosting the tournament in Dallas or something? Because the New York team was playing someone – and it was woeful. Like it's really, it's it's bad. It's bad cricket. They man. don't have and any like legends of the game or anything playing. Not in America, like because cricket's very like you play for your you play for your country. You play, yeah. um, but then other guys go over to India and they play for leagues and in, in leagues and stuff like that. Um, the 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 pinnacle and the peak is playing and representing your country. Um, you know, like in a lot of sports, but in cricket particularly, like they do tours around the world playing for your country and. I've never seen like an American tour. Uh, maybe it's like an exhibition thing to try and grow the game, but um, but American cricket, you, you'll get there. Maybe it's it. I don't know if it's hard to hear for you as an American to th to think that you're not good at something because I feel oh, like you guys think that the only country in the world is is USA and anything outside is like well that doesn't really count. But it's you guys true. suck at cricket, and eventually you might get good at it. But for now, it's you know, you leave it to the other guys. We gave the rest of the world a head start, but don't worry. <laughs> We're going to catch up. We're going to come yeah. and beat all y'all down in like two yeah. or three months. All right. So just get ready. <laughs> two, three months. Yeah. So tell me what you do um, for work. So you're involved in with the Dallas Mavericks, but like, what do you actually do? I'd say that if anyone's, if I was like, you and I were just walking down the street and a friend of mine came up to me and they were like, oh, who's this? And I said, oh, this is Bobby. I would, I'd basically say, anything good that comes out of the Dallas Mavericks like media division Bobby's had a hand in anything bad like it's because it wasn't him involved in <laughs> so you do media stuff for the Dallas Mavericks but what like I don't know what's your what do you do no first off I really appreciate that um I have made <laughs> some bad things so I'm, I'm not immune to criticism oh I've seen them yeah <laughs> uh so my role is digital content manager but pretty much what I do is um primarily podcasts do a little bit of streaming on twitch and youtube do uh some produced videos on our youtube channel 
used to write stuff for our website for mavs.com and i i don't do that as much anymore because we've kind of collectively pivoted to video in this industry now um but that is primarily what i do i'm more of it like talking head personality um i try to be like a living breathing mavs encyclopedia just i, I just am able to recall all these details and if not i'll yep. go research them uh very very like information driven stats driven kind of guy uh, with my approach to basketball, but I'm still, you know, trying to keep the eye test. Um, I, I hold the, a, a sacred place for the eye test in my heart, but uh, right. my job is to just know as much about the team as possible and learn as much about the team, as much about the league as possible, and then try and distill and share that information to as many people as possible. So that's pretty, if I could boil my job down to like one sentence, that's what I would say. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good job to have, to be honest. Um, I So I used to work for a basketball team, the Perth Wildcats, um, which is the Perth team over here um, in our national competition, who Luke Travers, who um, has recently signed with Melbourne United, who's currently playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers Summer League team. So he's a, yeah. he's a Summer League champion. champion. Um, he's legit. Like, he's um, a guy that people have been watching for a long time. He's like at a sweet spot in our hearts because he's grown up through our, through our city and now he's you know got drafted by the Cavs. Um, so I used to work at the Perth Wildcats and used to do similar content. It was pre, um, this was 2018, 17-ish, so pre like when everyone was fully pivoting to podcast, video and stuff like that. But I yeah. used to write all of our website content. And I remember a time, early days, I wrote an article about why the Wildcats lost um, and I got called in from the CEO and he like had the article printed out and he had it on the desk and, um, he called me into the office and he was like, Hey man, what do you, what do you, so what do you think about this, uh, this article? And I was having to read through and I was like, Oh, you know, we lost and this is why. And, um, I got it. I, I didn't get like in trouble, but he was like, you can't write this stuff. Like this is, Oh no. You know, like as much as you want to be like correct and, you know, they lost in the rebounding and, and all that sort of stuff. When you're writing for a team, presenting like stuff for the team, you don't want to be telling people you're bad. Like you need mm. to have this element of like propping up your team. So how do you deal with that? Because you do a lot of analytical analytical stuff. So how do you walk the line of like not shitting on the team when they're bad, but also like not lying and like just being puff paste? Yeah, I mean, I think, there are some things that are just objectively true about basketball. Yeah. Um, a lot of that is statistical. So, like, if the Mavs get out-rebounded 53 to 37, like, I don't even need to say it. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, everyone knows. We watch the game. So, like, but there's also, you know, what good is it to just, like, relentlessly just dunk on guys and say, like, you better learn Chinese, buddy, because you're going to go play for the <laughs> Shanghai Sharks. Like, that's yeah. just so beyond the line to me because these are still like 15 of the five or 600 best players in the world that are on this roster right and so like they're still very good i don't need to be disrespectful um toward them or toward the team or whatever but again some things are just very objective i think the where like the the line is sort of blurred between are you just rose-colored glasses guy um or i guess blue tinted glasses guy because the maps are blue <laughs> and white um or are you being you know objective reporter guy is what is your perspective on um things like just bad luck you know like last season for example the Mavs were a mediocre to below average defensive rebounding team but 
opponents, when they got an offensive rebound against the Mavs, had the highest true shooting percentage on second chance field goal attempts in the entire database, this site called PBP Stats. It goes all the way back, I think, either 99-2000 or 2000-2001. The highest true shooting percentage on second chance field goal attempts in the history of that website. So this is like almost 25 <laughs> years of basketball. Right. And so like, they were pretty, they were fine. They were to fine to bad at defensive rebounding, but were they historically bad at second chance field goal attempts defense or were they historically unlucky or were they just both? Like, that's where I just don't, I just throw my hands up in the air and say, I don't know. You know, um, yeah. I watched a lot of second chance points against the Mavs last season, but I watched it on a pretty league average amount of offensive rebounds. So like, that's where, you know, it's, it's hard to be super objective and it's hard to be real downer doomer guy because like some things are just inexplicable. Um, that's where as a as more of like a data driven guy, I would say I need a couple years to know if this is true or if this is just like a, a weird sort of happenstance in the in the in the course of the universe. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of tough. It, it is kind of tough to, to walk the line. But there's a lot of examples like that that pop up where it's just like, man, I could be just real angry and aggro and mean. I could be like, it's going to be fine, guys. Or <laughs> I could just not say anything. Yeah. because not everything needs a reaction you know so that's kind yeah, of exactly. the that's that's try the balance that i that i try and find also it's hard for you with 82 games it's relentless it's four games a week mm -hmm. with with like me we would um at the wildcats we would have one game a week sometimes a double header on a weekend so you'd play two games a week like there there's a bit of space in between things can like sort of boil over or like sort of um people forget about things, but like if it is a rough season, like last season towards the back end and every time, every second day you're like, well, they can't defend again. Like, you know, there's, so, there's only so many times you can say the same thing without it being like, shit, do the matters like the actual website, do they hate the team? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it there, must be there's just so many games. Yeah. There's so many games and, yeah. and sometimes things will reach a fever pitch. Like sometimes you're going to get blown out by the Hornets and it's like, okay this is beyond repair right but sometimes it's just yeah i mean the other team just hit 22 threes like yeah you know it happens uh the mavs just did that to someone the other day like it's gonna over the course of 82 games bad things are gonna happen good things are gonna happen and you just you just go on i mean not every game has to be a referendum on something that's right. And and fans, and for me, right, so I, I'm a fan of the Mavs, and I'm also a fan of the West Coast Eagles, the AFL team. We can talk AFL in a minute. Um, okay. They're historically bad, the West Coast Eagles, right? So in the AFL, they have 24 rounds in a season, and in the last probably two to three seasons, they've won four games. Like, it's it's awful. Like, total? A, yeah, total. It's really there bad. No, there's like, no relegation or anything? No, no relegation. They, oh, they, so they're just stuck. Oh. They're just bad. So they won a championship in 2018. 2019, they were okay. 2020, like stuff happened, like COVID sort of started come in. Then like a lot of guys got injured and stuff. But the last two, three seasons have been brutal. Um, so uh, I can't remember why. I think that just, they're just things that have like um, sitting in my soul that just flow out i don't even know i started talking about how bad the west coast eagles are but um <laughs> but you know like when when things are just bad like you just gotta roll with it and sometimes it's just things are bad and you, and you can't go any further um are, have you always been a mavs guy yeah my whole life 
since yep. since birth yeah and kind of the one advantage that i had in terms i guess like watching basketball or whatever is that my dad was a coach um not only about he just coached kind of everything at a middle school high school level so it's not like he's a pro coach or anything but uh watching games with him i kind of started watching the game more through that like x's and o's analytical intangible sort of stuff is what i really pay attention to more so than just getting emotionally wrapped up in what's going on so i've always kind of been more of like a i guess objective viewer of basketball more so than just like a, a pure fan i guess yeah as a as a fan you do get it like just emotionally attached and so mm-hmm. when things are going like average or sort of good you just don't really think about it you're like great you know things are going well but like when things are bad bad i think this is why i was thinking about how bad the west coast eagles are when things are bad bad like you want to react to it and people mm-hmm. talk about things more so how do you so then you must see a lot of shit that comes through from fans right because you're on the forefront of a lot of what the maps put out so when you're constantly getting berated and like just negative fan stuff like do you just do you just go like forget it like they'll do what they want to do like we can't change anything or like do you do you deal with that at all um i mean the the main thing is you have to have like a i guess a boundary or like a a line when if people are talking to you um i know people are gonna want to let off steam and so if they do so like at least pseudo respectfully then that's cool but if it's like insult i i I always just like have a really hard time whenever people say that a guy is trash like that's just so mean and so like you're dehumanizing this also lazy yeah like he's just he's trying hard he's the other dude is better you know like he's not trash he's just like (laughs) he's just fine uh so that's where it gets weird or if someone starts calling me names it's kind of weird but uh after this past season and this is like for reasons beyond just the mavs having a below 500 record but i actually just got off twitter because it's just too much it's just too much um and as a as like mavs guy you know too many people you know they i have no relationship with a lot of people that followed me on twitter and there was thousands of people that followed me or whatever and so to them you know we have this kind of parasocial relationship where i am mavs person that is a part of their <laughs> mavs viewing experience so i yeah. like i, I would probably your forg- fault yeah and like i would forgive someone for like not being able to distinguish the difference between just like dude that works here versus like the team or mark cuban or whoever you know your your problem is with but i'm the conduit through which you can feel like you're talking to them um mm. and i just don't want to be that guy like i don't know whenever the mavs win my life is fine when they lose my life is fine I don't want a bunch of people to just vent to me. I don't know. It's just a lot of, it's a lot of emotional labor, Dan. And I can only carry yeah. so much of that around. You know what I mean? Life's short, man. You don't want to be dealing with all that as well as all the other shit that you have to do with personally. Um, yeah. So you, but then, you just, sorry, mentioned- I, I, do, I just want to say like that passion is what makes sports so fun. Oh and yeah. That's, that's the thing that I grapple with is like, well, what would I rather them just not care? Like, would I rather them just like, so it is kind of, you know, I don't want to be a wet blanket and say, hey, don't get mad because then like, (laughs) why would I get happy? Like, if you don't have a low, then how can you have a high? But also it's just, it's 82 games. Like you said, it's just, there's even the best teams lose 25 times, you know? So like, you're going to be disappointed a little bit. Yeah. And even the best teams don't win at the end as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's not, there's like one team at the end that gets to be happy. Everyone else is probably pretty pissed. Um, so you just mentioned you got off Twitter. So I, I was thinking, um, 
you and I used to like interact a little bit on Twitter. And then when, when I was talking to Tim Cato, uh, our friend of the family of the, the basketball show here, um, I was like, I might just hit Bobby up on Twitter. He's like, no, he's gone. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I haven't seen Bobby on Twitter for a while. So was that purely just because of last season? Or is that like, I mean, there are people getting off Twitter. So is that just a thing? Are you, are you, is your life better? Because I've been thinking about it. I would say that my life is better. Yes. I think just my day-to-day life is better. And not because, like, I still have to view tweets uh, for various reasons. I still have to, like, study fan sentiment. I still operate the, the Studio 41 Twitter account. Like, I'm still on the platform, but I don't post stuff. I don't interact with people. No one interacts with me. Um, and that has made just my day-to-day life better because there's just so much negativity in the world. And a lot of it is a lot of there's a rightful reasons to feel negative about the state of the world in many cases. Yeah. Uh, but some of that anger, I feel like is just a little misguided. Um, and it's so really are you running nice like to, some sort of burner just to uh, observe tweets or are you, um, <laughs> yeah, you well, doing? I have, yeah, we have the, the, there's a studio 41 is like the, right. our production part of the company. And I'm, I post yep. tweets on that account. So I still right. go on there and just like, see because it is important for me to know what the what the fans are talking about like do fans like omax prosper what do they like about him what do they not understand about him that gives me ideas for what to do you know on my next stream or next podcast or whatever so i still have to really keep tabs on yeah yeah it's research um yeah of course but whenever it's not like i'm just viewing the public opinion and i'm just digesting what people are thinking as opposed to for example, one of the last tweets I posted was the Mavs played the Kings like game 80 of the season. Season was pretty much already over by that point, whatever. The Monis Sabonis for the Kings like four times down the floor in a row, four offensive possessions in a row, just made the coolest passes. I'm talking like no looks, behind the backs, like drawing a double team, flipping it over his head, just like the coolest stuff. And I just tweeted like, wow, Demonis Sabonis is really good. Like, that, like, I just appreciating how good that guy is. And someone came in and was like, well, yeah, Dwight Powell is guarding him. What do you expect? And I'm like, dude, brother, like, he passed the ball. Like, it's not, he didn't even score on him. He passed the ball. Like, the dude is a, he's an all-star. He's incredible. Just, this guy is so good. Like, can, can I not just say yeah. that this guy is good? And it was like, I just can't do it anymore. Because, again, you know, because, and, and I'm going to forgive the guy for that. Because, like, Again, I'm Mavs guy, so everything that I say is related to the Mavs. So if I say Demonis Sabonis is good, it's because he is doing it against Dwight Powell or against Maxi Kleber or against JaVale McGee or whatever, which means he is better than the Mavs, which that's going to light the hatred fire in someone else's heart, and they're going to let me know about it. And I just don't (laughs) want to do that anymore, you know, because, again, I'm just appreciating how good this dude is at basketball. Please don't kill my vibe, you know. Yeah, how dare you enjoy basketball. They won the game. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um speaking of twitter so like i'm sure you have seen this dropping dimes 50 account yeah um w- what do you think that is because so we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with someone it's basically like this egg avatar twitter account who's leaking news before shams before Woj, like for all these guys w- what do you think it is man so that first one dropping dimes 20 that one seemed yep. legit and uh, whenever that person posted Kyrie Irving, you could feel the tremors like around the world, like, oh my God. 
you know, <laughs> is he leaving or what? Uh, but then it, it got taken down, and it feels like there's just a bunch of imitators now running around yep. uh, masquerading as the real Dropping Dimes. So I just don't know what to believe about, like, there's Dropping Dimes 50, Dropping Dimes 55, Dropping Dimes 27. I think they're all just fake. And there's another one, um, NBA Insider Goat, who I also think is a fake. But the thing is, you know, there's so much information out there and it's pretty easy to connect the dots and just say yeah. like, yeah, you know, um, what was the, like Fred Van Vliet going to Houston, like it's pretty obvious. So yeah. if you just, if you look around it, at who's got cap space and, and stuff like that and he wants to get yeah. paid, like you could, you could make an educated guess. Yeah. And also it helps that like, oh, three hours before he posted that Mark Stein said, Fred Van Vliet is probably going to go to the Rockets. So like, you're just kind yeah. of piggybacking off what other people say. Um, but I don't know, man. That first dropping times account that was awfully specific, and I'm yeah, it was. I I don't know if that was a player. I don't know if it was a an agent. I don't know if it was someone with a bone to pick. But I I. Do you think that you would rather live the rest of your life, not knowing who dropping dimes was, or do you want to know? Like what what no, outcome do you know. think is better? You do. I absolutely want to know because, um the unknown is like is it real or not but if you find out the person and it's actually shams and he's just <laughs> he's bored like because he's just doing it all the time and he's like fuck i'm gonna i'm gonna start tweeting stuff that i don't know is legit or not and i can't put this on my personal account that's interesting i think it's more interesting to knowing who it is and then if it's like randomly like i don't know some it's like lamar odom or something like that's just like got <laughs> intel with an agent you know, like, wouldn't that be fun as opposed to just never knowing? Because, yeah, I, I've started following Dropping Dimes 50 because I feel like that one's got a lot of following and that's been tweeting some stuff. Um, but, yeah, not knowing what it is, that just, I think about it too much. I'm, like, lying in bed thinking, who could it possibly be? But what if it's, like, some low-level, you know, not, I don't mean to, you know, insult someone, but what if it's, like, the Go lowest on. person on the organizational chart, you know? yeah. I feel like okay. that would be kind of anticlimactic. Like, I want it to be Lamar Odom. I want it to be LeBron. <laughs> I don't know? know why I picked Lamar Odom. As yeah. <laughs> I think that would be incredible if it was. <laughs> the thing is, right, so you've worked in a team, I've worked in a team, like, you get given information that you know you can't pass out, right? Like, that mm. you know. So I've been in meetings where we're like, um, CEOs, like, we're 88% certain that we're signing this guy, bringing him in, or this person's done for the season, or, or whatever, like, you could easily just tweet that out, but, you know, so maybe it is just a lower, like a you and I guy, a pleb running around hearing stuff that, that you're trusted enough to be in an inner circle, but I don't know, that's that's risky. If you, if you are on a lower end side of things, then maybe it's not worth risking a job over getting some clout over a tweet that nobody knows who you actually are. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the secret is fun, but then, yeah, once it, once you're found out, but then again... Secret Service can't even find out who brought Coke to the White House, so like maybe no one's gonna get caught for anything. I think dude. we all know who it's, did that. Let's be honest. I've... There's no rules on this podcast. There ain't no rules over here either, buddy. Yeah. Um. So all right. So dropping dimes. Whatever. I I, I want to believe. You know what? I want to believe it's also just like some sixteen-year-old kid who somehow has a line directly to a source and they're just feeding him stuff because they know like eh, no one's gonna believe him it's it's just fun i can just share <laughs> stuff um wh how long have you been with the map store uh 20 
15, 16 was my first season full time. Uh, 2013, yep. 14, I started part time. So I, if my math is correct, this is my tenth season. Uh, this th that <laughs> just happened. Yeah, Look I'm, I'm old. I'm old and washed, dude. Very old. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about uh, memories of um, of 2011? Like, so a championship year for the Mavs. You were obviously a fan at that point, but not working for the team. Um, what do you remember about the build up and? actually winning a championship it's because like i'm an adapted like a adopted mavs fan i picked them because i watched dirk um i uh, sorry i watched uh designer job like dominate one game in like 2004 and i was like yep these are my guys you know <laughs> and um for some reason i picked them but for you as someone like who's followed them all your life um do you remember much of that time oh yeah 2011 i mean i remember everything man i remember everything um that entire season, it really felt like it's hard for me to look back and like remember my exact emotional thoughts as a fan. But like purely from an objective standpoint, if you look at all of the information about that 2010-11 Mavs team from opening night until Dirk gets hurt, which is around New Year's Eve, they were the best team in the NBA, like by record, all of their offensive rating defensive rating like they were easily the best team in the league they beat a bunch of teams with winning records like they were incredible Dirk goes down and without him they go two and nine he comes back and they just rattle off a bunch more wins so at the end of the year they're 57 and 25 I think was their record uh 55 and 18 whenever Dirk played which is pretty pretty nasty you know yeah um and yet going into the playoffs they were considered this underdog for obvious reasons historically you know they just the previous year they lost in the first round as a two seed so it's it's not like they were world beaters by any stretch but um you know as they as they just kept winning and kept winning and kept winning and they got past the Brandon Roy game in game four against Portland and then they won their next seven games in a row like it just felt like with every single game they were getting better and the belief started getting stronger like in the fan base I think the players were always pretty confident but just collectively Dallas just the city just the, the fan base the whole community just kind of felt like yeah this is gonna happen eventually it turns from this is fun to this is destiny and I don't know if it's <laughs> the Corey Brewer game against the Lakers uh in game one or if it's game four when they just blew him off the court or the comeback against OKC in game four or maybe it was all the way to the comeback against Miami in game two like it just felt like this is just the team of mother bleeping destiny you know like yeah. nothing was gonna stop them they were just coated in this plot armor dirk was sick it didn't matter they still won the game like it just nothing could stop them um but the, there were signs there the whole season you know like the five-man lineup like kid jet marion dirk tyson chandler their net rating that season was like absurd they're like plus 25 but they just never played because i felt like they were kind of trying to keep it a secret like they were just yeah. so good uh just a juggernaut hiding in plain sight and they just they just went after win it's just like yeah i mean this is you went from being surprised to like being like this you just expected it to happen um yeah and so yeah i don't know it just it just you know it is hard to look back and just be like very emotional about it but you just obviously you you tied so much of this to dirk um uh, because of how many times he failed how many times you were actually upset like in 2006 driving home from game six of the finals i was crying in the car on the way home like i was 15 <laughs> years old just sobbing um 
you know you can only overcome so many failures before you finally achieve success like eventually you just run out of time and the mavs were about to run out of time um and they they took advantage of the moment so it was just a beautiful thing um the most like relatable most cliche most storybook most like hero's journey kind of kind of finish for those guys and they pulled it off which is just it's it's unbelievable um but like at the time it also was super believable because they just were the best team in the nba that season so it's it's really hard to to kind of wrap your head around like the underdog thing while also knowing just how good they were it was also like given that the lebron heat thing was such a force right so like Mm. any team coming up against them you would think well you know they've just like for me uh, like i was a fan uh, since early thousands but that felt like the first time that like uh like a super team was really formed and i was like how the fuck are people gonna beat these guys you know Mm. so that underdog thing but you're right like there was so many moments through that run like that sort of defined their run so like comebacks perfect shooting games um ridiculous outbursts by Corey brewer or like jet like there's so many good um like hang your hat on moments through that season i remember and i i might be wrong but i feel like there was a preseason game in that year they played houston and uh the mavs i think were down by one with 0.6 left on the game and mm-hmm. um Jason Kidd launched his pass over Yao Ming. Maybe it was Yao Ming still in the league. And Sean Marion caught it and like laid it in. And I'm pretty sure that was like not even a regular season game, but that was like a, a preseason game. And I remember them doing that thing. Like this team's pretty, like there's something about this, this team. Um, I may be wrong with my years, but I feel like it was that same. You, you, may, you might remember that. I think it was that year. The most unbelievable thing about that play to me is why are your starters in the game in the final second of a preseason game? <laughs> like, what are yeah, we doing? They but, really wanted to win. Yeah, but if you go back, like, starting in 04, uh, 04, 05 is the first Dirk season in Dallas post-Nash. So it was Dirk. Michael Finley stayed there for one year, and then he left, and it, it totally yep. became Dirk's team. From 2005 to 2007, the Mavs won, like, 80% of their clutch games. I mean coin flip games they won almost all of them because Dirk was just that good Jason Terry was just that good and then you also get Jason Kidd in here too and then you also get Sean Marion who has a bunch of experience and you get Tyson Chandler great defender so like 2011 was in many ways a culmination of you know there was a lot of failure in big moments but there was a ton of individual and team successes in all of the small moments along the way too and they were just finally able to break through and just do it um it's something it was something very magical like yeah it's almost it is almost unbelievable because of how perfectly it all went but also like they were really just that good i don't know it's just a bunch of old dudes that know what they're doing um many of which are like maybe they're not hall of famers but they're generational players like the mavs they were all 35 years old but like that was kind of a super team too you know if you really i guess think about it maybe not as sexy as the heat um yeah. but they had a lot of talent and a lot of experience a lot of know-how and, and they were able to put it all together um the more interesting thing to me is could a team that sure they they knew what they were doing but could a team that unathletic relatively speaking no offense to those guys but that slow <laughs> that groundbound 
that limited um, as far as like they couldn't switch everything in this era, you know, with with Dirk and an older kid and Jason Terry, like they would have to play a little more careful defensively. Like how good would that team be today? You know, was yeah. that was that like the perfect moment in time for that collection of players? Because like even three years later, could you imagine that team trying to defend the Warriors? Like, <laughs> I just I don't know if they could have done it. So I'm, I'm really happy they won it when they did. Yeah. Perfect prime opportunity. Caught lightning in a bottle. All, all of that. Um, yeah, good times. I, I remember taking, um, like random days off work. I remember putting in my leave request when the final schedule was put in and I was like saying to my boss, I'm going to have Monday off, Wednesday off. And then the following Tuesday, the following Thursday. And he was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to watch <laughs> the, the, the finals. Right. Like, cause, cause for me as a, as a, in Australia, we watch games at like between nine to, to midday. Right. So mm you can't just watch it at night and come home from work and, and do whatever. Like you got to give up your whole day in, and you know, I mean, are you, are like you cracking one open at like 8am? Like, what are you, what are no, you doing? You no, know? having coffee and toast or like oh, okay. some, some cereal or something. But the later games, if it's like three quarter time and it's close and it's 1140, I'm like, okay, like this is acceptable, but yeah, might as um, well. Right. Made it, of course, may as well. Um, what about Australian players? So obviously Australian podcast, um, a lot of focus on Australian basketball. The Mavs have had con- like quite a good contingent of Australian, well, like a, a lot of Australian players anyway, considering how many Australian guys have made it to the NBA. So, you know, currently Josh Green, um, Dante Exum, new signing. I'm going to count Kyrie Irving. Why not? Because he's Australian. We're going to claim him. Why won't he come play for Australian Olympics? Like, it would be a good story. He should do that, but he's not it going would to, be. of course. Ryan Brokoff, um, who, shout out to Ryan Brokoff, just retired from from the NBL, our, our National League. So, um, he's focusing on other stuff with family. He just had a baby. Um, big fan of Ryan. He's been on this pod. Um, he's a great guy, man. Great one guy. of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um, yep. uh, of course, Andrew Bogut. Um, we'll, just, we'll just keep going through names. Um, what are your thoughts on the Australian guys that have come through? Yeah, Mitch Creek too. He was on the Mavs summer league team and ended True. up. True, I think Mitch he was Creek, on. A, yep. He was on a two way or a ten day or something. He stuck around in yep. the league for a little bit. And then too. he went to Timberwolves, I think, and now he's playing at Southeast Melbourne. He's like their star at Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, over in the NBL, who played alongside Ryan Brokoff. So it's all it's all in circles. It's all connected, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember. So this is in two thousand two thousand eighteen. It was right before Luca's rookie year. Um, I was talking to one of the Mavs scouts at the time and he said like Australia is the next it's like the next frontier Um, because by then you know there are some Americans that are still kind of in denial about this but it is pretty widely accepted that Europe is legitimate and that players that are in EuroLeague and players that are even in the lower levels uh, you know lower domestic levels can play basketball and they're good enough to be in the NBA Um, and you know nba has a a, an africa academy set up and they have a league over there um i I think it's called the bal and players are there's a pipeline through africa uh asia you know players from from east asia have been in the in the league for a while but you know australia was kind of this like i don't know it's kind of like bogut made it through and a couple other guys made it through but then at some point in the last five or ten years um maybe it's the you know, because the Australian Basketball League has started really picking up and there's a lot of quality talent down there with a lot of American investors in those teams, including Sean Marion, who I think is involved with the Breakers. Um, which yeah. New Zealand is, like, 
I, I know that New Zealand is a separate country, but how <laughs> is New Zealand in the Australian league? Like, is it pretty practical to get from New Zealand to Australia? Not really. I would say it's similar to the weird, like you guys are connected by land. So like the fact that Canada has a team in the, yeah. in the U S league, um, it's just like, where else would they go? And it, it sort of makes sense. So for me to fly to, um, so for Perth to say Auckland, it's a, it's a huge flight. Like it's, it's bigger than any sort of West East coast flight that you guys might do, yeah. but it's like, where else do they go? It makes sense for them to be here. Um, and they've been really successful. Like usually, um, I'd say like stereotypically or gen- generally speaking, like those countries that are involved in leagues like this, they're usually just there as like, they're making up numbers at times, but the breakers have been like really successful. So it, it is sort of weird that it's another country, but we, we Australia like to claim uh, Kiwis as we call them um, when they're like, you know, like huge, um, Hugh Jackman is Hugh Jackman. Um, who's the guy? Who's who's X Man? Um, I think that's him. He was also in the hit musical Australia. I think. Right? Yes, that's right. So yeah. Hugh Jackman, I think, might be a Kiwi. Um, oh no, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, I think, is a Kiwi. But like, okay. everyone's like, he's an Australian because yeah, I think the, he the only Kiwi I really know is Peter Jackson, of course, the great, the great Lord of Peter the Rings. Jackson. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. So um, I can't remember what the question was, but yeah, we sort of just bring them in. They're like they're like a brother from another mother. Okay, from several time zones away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think like that very reason is probably why it was really hard for Australian players to break into the NBA, let's say 10 years ago, because it is so dang far away, right? Yeah. Um, and there wasn't, you know, I know that the Australian league has been around probably for longer than five years, but now that the best australian players can just stay home and be in this league where there's already american investors so there's american interest there's american eyeballs on these guys um and also too i think you know the same could be said for guys going to like EuroLeague, for example i know uh ryan brokoff played for uh locomotive kuban i think is like a a really really high level um russian team before he came over to the mavs um you know i think the rest of the world is just kind of like accessing australia in ways that they didn't really do before and so there's just more eyeballs so maybe there were great australian players even 30 years ago but they just didn't really get as much of a chance um because of the practicality of it all but i mean the national team is kicking ass you know at the olympics like every year they're just getting better and better they're meddling they destroyed slovenia uh in the bronze medal game a couple years ago so that was really impressive to see and you're just seeing like young guys you're seeing polished vets you're seeing young guys like josh green that know how to play and josh i guess grew up he, he went to high school in america but like you could be an australian kid and stay in australia and then just make the jump directly from australia to the nba like it, it is yeah. possible to do that now whereas before it, it just really wasn't so it was interesting hearing that from a scout five years ago saying like australia is like the next place and now over the last five years, just seen this massive influx of guys, and then also American players playing in the Australian league, like what Lamelo did, and and all that stuff. Yeah, I think exactly. That's really cool too. There, there is this appeal that, like, you know, with the college system not playing, sorry, not paying players, um, where it's like, you know, the the NBL, they've got a, a program called the Next Stars program, where they will pay players who are maybe fringe guys who like might go in the second round of the draft, um, or like might be stash guys. Um, where the NBL has got a program in place now where they can bring them over and say, hey, come come play in our league. You're playing against like grown men, they're professionals. Um, 
it's really high quality. You can get paid. Um, and we have a pathway now to the NBA. We've seen guys do it over and over again, like Lamelo, um, Josh Giddy played like he will be a max contract guy. One mm-hmm. of the probably will go down as one of the best Australian uh, players ever because he's insanely good. Um, so they've shown that there's a there is a pathway from the National Basketball League over to to the NBA. So like I mentioned with um, with Luke Travers. Um, who plays for for Cleveland? And I think he was, I think he was drafted between pick forty and sixty um, in this in the second round, um, playing in the summer league team. He is like from a place called Rockingham over here, and I, I can't think of a place in Dallas that that would you know, like I said, uh, geography is not my thing, but it's just like an hour out of the city. Like nothing good happens in Rockingham. No offense to anyone in Rockingham. Um, <laughs> But he's, he's just like this kid that's come out of nowhere and he's very good at basketball. And I really hope he makes... He's got a tough road ahead. You know, like he's he wasn't playing for Duke or Kansas or anything like that. You know, he's he's come from like... He's really climbing that ladder. Um, so there definitely is the pathway. Um, do, do you notice... Is there any sort of like um, cultural sort of things that happen with, with these guys that come over? Like a lot of them go to college and then... So they're sort of... It's not like they're brand new. It's not like Luca coming over to to the, to the Mavs and being like, "Man, the U.S. is weird." Um, mm. Have you have you dealt with much of that Australian stuff with them coming over? I don't really think there's. I mean, I'm sure culturally there are huge differences between America and Australia. Um, that goes without saying, but like, the language is the same. Yeah. Uh, maybe expressions are different, but I think the language barrier ultimately is like the the biggest obstacle that let's say European or African or Asian players have to overcome or South American players too, speaking Spanish. But if you can just speak English, it's so much easier to get to know guys. It's so much easier to take coaching so much easier to be able to just like literally ask your coach, like, Hey, what do you think I should do? Um, and be able to communicate in, you know, fluent full sentences and everything. It's just, it gives you a huge advantage over guys that might otherwise struggle with that stuff. So I think that's the biggest um, that's the biggest burden that a lot of international players have to carry. And the fact that Australian players don't have to do that, I think is really good. Um, coupled with the fact that too, I mean, just again, there's just a lot more. Oh, I, I can't speak to the lower levels of Australian basketball, like youth basketball programs and thing like things like that. But I know the NBA has an Academy in Australia. Obviously again, yeah. the, you know, the NBL has a lot of, um, a lot of in- interest from American basketball programs. And so I feel like that, there's much there's a much clearer like pathway and a much clearer bridge connecting Australia to the NBA than there was in say even like Spain like pre Luca you know it, yeah. it just it feels like it feels like a much smoother process I'm not sure if that's true though well I wish I had that when I was coming out of um, primary school into into high school maybe a, a pathway for me to pursue basketball um, as a professional athlete I didn't have that um you know i'm i'm five six five seven in shoes it was never jelly was never walker to, same thing you could have been him it's n- never meant to be i'm gonna be honest i'm very unathletic i'm rocking a dad bod right now i'm wearing a hoodie right now because it's cold but it's also just to cover the dad bod um one last one I've, you, I've kept you longer than i than i said i would so i apologize um one last one before we finish off last episode of the backchat basketball show for the season before we have a little break um can you give me your favorite Dirk memory for your time being in the team? So not not like uh, pre like f- you know fandom time, like times when you've when you've been working at the team. 
Man, it's tough. Um, the first memory that came to my mind is the night that he scored, uh, he, that he reached 30,000 points. Um, he comes out of the tunnel for layup lines pregame. And, and earlier in the day, like, he'd seen the 30K shirts on the seats and all that stuff. It's going to be this huge milestone. This is the Mavs' last home he? game yeah, before a road trip. And, and like, he's just like, why are you putting all this pressure on me to, to do this tonight? <laughs> like, he had to score, I think, whatever it was, t uh, 20 points, I think. And at this point, he's 38 years old, and he's averaging, like, 12 a game. Like, it's really hard for him to score that much in a game. Um, but he comes out of the tunnel uh, pregame layup line, and I'm sitting way down low. It was one of the few games that I've sat courtside for. Uh, and he comes out of the tunnel and, like, swear to God, he turns the corner and we lock eyes for, like, maybe 0.2 seconds, but it felt like for about an hour. And, like, I just saw a different look in his face than I'd seen in five years. You know, like, he just looked extremely locked in and he comes out and, and he scores whatever it was. He got he got to 30K like a minute into the second quarter. He had 20 <laughs> yeah. points a game, had 25 points at halftime. It was just unbelievable. And like, I, we looked right at each other and I just saw, he looked like a cyborg that was about to just destroy the planet. Like he just looked so laser focused. Um, and at that age too, because we'd all kind of thought like, he's old, the team sucks. Like the competitive fire, i'm sure is there but like can he get to that place you know and he did and it was amazing and i got to sit like you know 10 feet away from him while he was doing it that one or uh 41 21 won his last home game uh in 2019 he comes out scores 30 points the crowd is just going yep. nuts the whole game luca had a triple double it felt very symbolic you know handing over the torch the the new era and all that stuff and um you know, he grabs the mic after the game. And for, like, weeks and months leading up to that game, we all, you know, on the business side, we all pretty much knew this was it. We didn't know for sure. But, like, we pretty much knew, you know. Uh, but we had to keep it a secret. And we didn't expect Dirk to talk about it. Like, we expected him to address it after the fact. But he just did it right there, live on the court in front of everybody. And that was shocking. But just seeing, like, the, you know, his emotional reaction to him saying that own, like, it finally, like, sunk in that he's going to retire once he said it, you know, and then he yeah. lost it, the crowd lost it, everyone is crying and cheering <laughs> and like freaking like Larry Bird is right there and Scottie Pippen and Charles Bart. Like it was just amazing. So um, those are those are probably a tie for first. One is, you know, me getting a very up close and personal glimpse into like the, the soul of this ultimate competitor, this all time great person at his craft. And then the other one is like, this guy gave everything that he could possibly ever give to this organization and to the fans and to us and to, to, to just everybody. And then for him to finally be able to just like kick his feet up and say like, this is, I don't have any more to give. Like I'm done. I'm ready for the next chapter. And then for us to be able to thank him for it right there was just, I mean, it was just such a beautiful moment and two things that I will never, ever forget for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's really cool. We've seen players go out in like pretty bad fashion, you know, they get like two minutes in a game just to appear um mm. so for for dirk to be able to do that was um was very special one 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 time that dirk and i locked eyes um was when i was in dallas at the start of 20 um would have been 2018 and um i was doing some interviews in the locker room after a game 
and I don't know if you, like, this is a thing, but I, I think it was that, like, post-game, Dirk would shower, and then he would come talk to the media, but, mm. like, he wouldn't dry himself, like, he would oh, just, yeah. um, he would just come out in a towel, and be dripping, like, the, the guy didn't put a towel through his hair, or, like, arms, or anything, and I just remember, um, because I'm, a, a, you know, like I said, five, five, seven in shoes, um, standing next to him, like, holding my phone out, like, recording, um, this interview and my arm was just, I was just drip like his body water was just <laughs> dripping on my, my arm and um and he and he like we just he could just see that I was just standing there copying <laughs> his shower water um so not not the same sort of level of like cool meeting eyes as he's about to drop 30 um as he's about to score his 30,000th point uh just dropping shower water on me but i'll remember that that was a an interesting it's still thing. a moment though and, and you it's haven't cleaned a... your arms since the funny thing about <laughs> that is like you're right he didn't really ever dry himself and so sometimes like you know we'd have this towel wrapped around him and then he'd throw it into this bin right in the middle of the locker room that's just full of used towels it's just na- yeah. i mean it's obviously they're clean but like it's nasty you know yeah yeah uh but every now and then he'd throw it and it would like, you know, he wouldn't see you standing there and it would just land on you. And one t- <laughs> it landed on me and I was like, this towel is actually pretty dry. <laughs> like It doesn't even feel like it's been used, you know. So I don't know whether yeah. to be grossed out or like honored, but either way, I'll, I'll savor it, you know. It's just there for looks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Bobby, thank you so much for, for giving up your time. Um, I know this is a, a bit of a dead. Well, not really. When, you, when you're working for a team, there's never dead patches, but like summer league's over. Now we just wait for the proper season to start, things to start um, kicking off. So uh, thanks for giving up some time. Back to our basketball show. We're going to have a little break, a few months. I don't know the exact date that we'll be back, but it will be uh, yeah, two to three months away. We'll put stuff on up on socials, backchat underscore basketball. Send us an email, hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. We've got um, a bunch of stuff planned for next year, some more Mav stuff uh, in the works, as well as um, some coaches and stuff we'll be talking um, in the NBL. Bobby, thanks again, and uh, we'll chat to you next time. Thank you, man. That episode from Backchat Studios lives on the ACAST Creator Network. If you want to sign up as a patron or access all of our merch, head to backchatpodcast.com.au.